We wish to thank McFadden Publications for relinquishing a part of their program, the True Story Court of Human Relations, usually heard over some of these stations for a special broadcast. Tonight in Washington, an unprecedented episode in American history takes place. A justice of the nation's highest tribunal speaks to the people on the question of his appointment to the Supreme Court of the United States. While Associate Justice Hugo Elbach was still in Europe, the National Broadcasting Company extended the offer of its facilities for any statement he desired to make. Justice Black preferred to wait until it returned to the United States to make that statement. Tonight, he addresses you in a broadcast arranged by the National Broadcasting Company. In addition to the nationwide broadcast, the address of Justice Black is made available to the entire world through the shortwave facilities of RCA. We are in the home of Mr. Claude E. Hamilton, an old friend of Justice Black. Mrs. Black and a small group of intimates, friends, and relatives are gathered here to hear his address. Justice Black now sits before the microphone prepared to speak to you. It is our pleasure to present the Honorable Hugo L. Black, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Mr. Justice Black. Ladies and gentlemen, the Constitution is the supreme law of our country. The Bill of Rights is the heart of the Constitution. The constitutional safeguard to complete liberty of religious belief is a declaration of the greatest importance to the future of America as a nation of free people. Any movement or action by any group that threatens to bring about a result inconsistent with this unrestricted individual right is a menace to freedom. Let me repeat, any program even if directed by good intention, which tends to breed or revive religious discord or antagonism, can and may spread with such rapidity as to imperil this vital constitutional protection of one of the most sacred of human rights. I believe that no ordinary maneuver executed for political advantage would justify a member of the Supreme Court in publicly discussing it. If, however, that maneuver threatens the existing peace and harmony between religious or racial groups in our country, the occasion is not an ordinary one. It is extra ordinary. During my recent absence on a short vacation abroad, a planned and concerted campaign was begun which fans the flames of prejudice and is calculated to create racial and religious hatred. If continued, the inevitable result will be the projection of religious beliefs into a position of prime importance in political campaigns and to reinfect our social and business life with the poison of religious bigotry. It will bring the political religionist back into undeserved and perilous influence in affairs of government. It will elevate the least worthy to political positions because religion or race bars others from a password. It will resurrect 
practices and arguments from which this country suffered sorely in the 1920s. It will revive the spirit which in 1928 caused a national campaign to be waged largely upon issues unworthy of a free people. It will bankrupt many businessmen whose sole offense is that they have religious beliefs which do not accord with the prevailing religion in their communities. It will punish the professional man whose patience and clients boycott him, not because of lack of professional ability, but because there are in his locality few members of his faith or his race. It will again set neighbor against neighbor and turn old friends into new enemies. To contribute my part in averting such a catastrophe in this land dedicated to tolerance and freedom, I break with precedents of the past to talk with you tonight. An effort is being made to convince the people of America that I am intolerant and that I am prejudiced against people of the Jewish and Catholic faiths and against members of the Negro race. These insinuations are advanced despite the fact that for the last 11 years I have served in the Senate of the United States under constant and microscopic public scrutiny. My words and acts are a matter of public record. I believe that my record as a senator refutes every implication of racial or religious intolerance. It shows that I was of that group of liberal senators who have consistently fought for the civil, economic, and religious rights of all Americans without regard to race or creed. The insinuations of racial and religious intolerance made concerning me are based on the fact that I joined the Ku Klux Klan about 15 years ago. I did join the Klan. I later resigned. I never rejoined. What appeared then, or what appears now, on the records of the organization, I do not know. I never have considered and I do not now consider the unsolicited card given to me shortly after my nomination to the Senate as a membership of any kind in the Ku Klux Klan. I never used it. I did not even keep it. Before becoming a senator, I dropped the Klan. I have had nothing whatever to do with it since that time. I abandoned it. I completely discontinued any association with the organization. I have never resumed it and never expect to do so. At no meeting 
of any organization, social, political, or fraternal, have I ever indicated the slightest departure from my steadfast faith in the unfettered right of every American to follow his conscience in matters of religion. I have no sympathy with any organization or group which anywhere or at any time arrogates to itself the un-American power to interfere in the slightest degree with complete religious freedom. No words have ever been or will ever be spoken by me directly or indirectly, indicating that any native or foreign-born person in our free country should or could be restricted in his right to worship according to the dictates of his conscience. I have supported candidates for public office without regard to their faith. In my endorsement of applicants for governmental positions, I have acted without discrimination of any kind or character. I number among my friends many members of the colored race. I have watched the progress of its members with sympathy and admiration. Certainly, they are entitled to the full measure of protection according to the citizenship of our country by our Constitution and our laws. Some of my best and most intimate friends are Catholics and Jews. Shortly after I moved to Birmingham, more than a quarter of a century ago, I formed one of the most valued friendships of my life with a son of Jewish faith. He was one of my closest associates and strongest political supporters. Months of our lives were spent together, much of the time in his home. He stood so nearly in the place of a father to me that while in the army in 1918, I designated this trusted Jewish friend as sole executor of my will. In my campaigns for public office, his counsel and assistance were always mine. His widow, who was a guest in my home at the recent inauguration of President Roosevelt, was one of the first to congratulate me upon my nomination to be a justice of the Supreme Court. When this statement is ended, my discussion of the question is closed. I believe the character and conduct of every public servant, great and small, should be subject to the constant scrutiny of the people. This must be true if a democracy serves its purpose. It is in this spirit that I now bid those who have been listening to me good night. The Honorable Hugo L. Black, Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court, has made his statement to the American people. In this broadcast, unparalleled in its historical significance, Justice Black has expressed his position on the question of his appointment to the nation's highest tribunal. In his address arranged for the National Broadcasting Company, the message of Justice Black was heard by a nationwide audience 
and through RCA shortwave facilities, was made available to the entire world. From the Washington home of his friend, Mr. Claude E. Hamilton, Justice Black spoke to you through the National Broadcasting Company.
Mighty fine, boys, mighty fine. Jim and Sam, 
And now they're going to give us Sally Gooden. Good it was, and the boys are going along with one about Corinna.
Jim and Sam, their guitar and fiddle on their song. Jim and Sam has been entertaining in the studios of WMPS, the press center of the Blue Network Station, Memphis, Tennessee.